This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Okay, welcome to the show. It is Unsportsmanlike here on ESPN Radio. ESPN2, all of our great ESPN stations across the country. Sirius XM80, the ESPN app. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. You can be a part of Unsportsmanlike Nation on the Dots or Pepper call in line at 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. ESPN Nation presented by Dots or Pepper. It's our college football season without the delicious taste of an ice cold Dots or Pepper the ones fans deserve. Along with Michelle Smallman, Chris Canty, Evan Cohen with you on Monday morning of Week 7 in the NFL. A Week 7 that saw a lot of one-win teams win, uh, saw a lot of controversial calls, and saw a Sunday night football game with the Philadelphia Eagles stamping themselves as maybe arguably the best team in the NFL. 31-17, they beat the Miami Dolphins last night in Philly at 24-17. They go on a 13-play, 83-yard, 6-minute, 35-second drive. Two fourth-down tush pushes in their own territory to win the game. Good morning, everybody. Yeah, good morning. It's not as good a morning for us as it is the sports fans in Philly because they were able to take control of the CS with the Phillies on Saturday. And then, of course, they were able to beat the Miami Dolphins in a primetime showdown last night rocking the Kelly Green jerseys. And Smalls, I am a fan of the Kelly Green jerseys. I don't think they need to break them out every game, but it's nice to have that as a change of pace. Those helmets are so sweet. Unreal. Yeah, I'm so jealous of the city of Philadelphia right now. Is there anywhere else you'd rather be if you're a sports fan than Philly right now? Well, I guess James Harden would choose Houston, but uh, <laughs> I mean, I guess, yeah, I mean, if you yeah, look, sure James if, Harden, if you look at the the sports going on right now, right, the NFL obviously week seven we're closing in on that halfway point, and baseball playoffs. I mean, they're flying right now, no question about that. And they did a tremendous job. Now Jalen Hurts a little bit banged up with that leg injury, but I was so unbelievably impressed with that drive that they had. But before we get to the Eagles, let's get to the Dolphins part of it because the Dolphins lose last night, and there's a narrative going on, fair or not about the strength of schedule around the Miami Dolphins and who they beat, who they lost to. They obviously lost the Eagles last night. Their head coach is Mike McDaniel, and he talked about losing. If you're going to lose games, you want it to be um, against a really good team and you want it to hurt. Um, And, you know, there's the the collection of coaches and players um, in the locker room right now are hurting um, because, you know, they feel like uh, they they left some plays on the field for sure. So if we look at this, CC, the wins for the Dolphins this year, Chargers, Patriots, Broncos, Giants, and Carolina, mm. the losses, Buffalo and Philadelphia. Storyline or not a storyline? Should the schedule here with Miami? Oh, it matters. It matters. I mean, all the games count the same, but there are some that mean more. And this was a spot where the game should have meant more for the Miami Dolphins in terms of proving that they can compete and win games against quality competition in primetime. Last year, they were 0 for 3 in primetime games against teams that had winning records. This year, even though they didn't really have a, a primetime spot uh, against a team that had a winning record, I think their primetime game was the New England Patriots, but they didn't have a primetime game with a team we expect to be in the postseason. This was supposed to be the game where they could prove that they could get that done, Smalls, and they came up small. Now, I'll give credit where credit is due. The Philadelphia Eagles had a masterful game plan. They were able to possess the ball over 36 minutes, which I thought was a key. They were able to commit to running the football, which created some opportunities in the passing game outside for Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown. But on the whole, I thought the Eagles played a relatively clean game outside of the pick six. From Jalen Hurts, which was a bit of, uh, I guess, a bad bounce for them in terms of, you know, what happened, how to play that the pass got deflected. 
But outside of that, it was a relatively clean game for the Eagles. I mean, they didn't have any accepted penalties. I think the only penalty the Eagles had on the night was the unsportsmanlike by Jalen Carter, and it was offsetting with Austin Jackson. So, to me, when you play a clean football game, when you own the line of scrimmage, when you're the more physical team, Mm -hmm. you're always going to give yourself a chance to win. And then, of course, when you play keep away from the Dolphins offense, that always helps. Yeah, so you mentioned those five wins, Evan, that the Dolphins have. They've come against teams with a combined record of 8-25. and The only team that they had faced up until last night with a winning record was the Buffalo Bills. And we know that Buffalo easily handled the Dolphins in that game. And I've been saying that the Bills are the biggest question mark to me so far in the NFL, and that continued to bear out yesterday. But I'm wondering if I have to throw the Miami Dolphins in that mix as well, because we know that this offense is high-powered. We know how effective it can be. But can it be effective against really good teams? I mean, really so far, if you look at the record, the only team that you could say that they have faced that you really know about is the Philadelphia Eagles. And if this was a measuring stick game last night, they fell up short. Well, and the other thing about the Dolphins and a Mike McDaniel coach team is that everyone assumes it's high-flying, all the shifting, all the motion, etc. Mm-hmm. But really, it's a run-first team. And they didn't run the ball well last night. They had negative yardage in the first half of this game. But they're going against a not a good Eagles team, a great Eagles team. That even when they weren't that good in terms of winning their games, that their fans like Pat Costello are producer and Eagles fans like, ah, they're not that good. They're not that good in the way in which they're winning the games, but they're still figuring out ways of winning the games. Now, here's the thing. We can't change the schedule. It's, so it's not like we can sit there and say, Dolphins, you should pass on playing the Panthers. Go play someone else. But the resume games that they have right now, the ones that we're actually focusing on, they're, let's say, one and two. I'm going to give them credit for the Chargers win early just because of the draft, just because of the Tua versus The Chargers Herbert. are two and four. I know, but at the time they played them, they weren't. So I think at the time they well, played them. Well, nobody had a loss at the right. time they played it so was week that's, one. That's why I do have to say, give them the benefit of the doubt, and I would give them the benefit of the doubt I'm in that not, game. Oh, hell no. I'm not, I'm not that, giving the Miami fine. Dolphins then the benefit of the doubt. Why do they deserve the benefit of the doubt? Then that's fine. Like the, 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 the metric in which we judge the Miami Dolphins, how we're going to gauge this team, is not based on being able to compile regular season wins. They had a winning record. They punched their ticket to the playoffs in the wild card round last year. How we judge the Miami Dolphins is going to come down to whether or not we view them as a team that can go on a deep playoff run. Can they be a contender? Because right now, they're sitting atop the AFC East, and it doesn't feel like nobody, anybody really wants to win that division, seeing as how the Buffalo Bills look and knowing that the New York Jets are challenged with their quarterback situation. I, I judge the Miami Dolphins on how this team stacks up against the upper echelon teams in the AFC. How are they going to look against the Baltimore Ravens? How are they going to look against the Jacksonville Jaguars? How are they going to look against the Kansas City Chiefs? Now, the last team, we actually get to see that game in two weeks over in Germany. That's the Frankfurt game. They're going to play the Kansas City Chiefs. So, again, another opportunity to see what Tua and this Dolphins team, this Dolphins offense is all about. But when it comes to primetime matchups, they come up smalls. They come up small, smalls. And, uh, <laughs> and it's just a situation where I don't want to take them seriously until they show me that they should be taken seriously. And the only way to do that is to beat a team that we know is capable of winning and getting to the postseason. Yeah, and conversely, the Philadelphia Eagles, we've had questions about them this season. Even though they continue to to pull out wins, they haven't necessarily looked like themselves at points this season. Yeah. But that's what good teams do. Look at what's happening with Philly. Look at what's happening with Kansas City. They have continued to pull out wins but have found their way as the season goes on it feels like the Eagles are building and building and it was a, an exclamation point last night over the Dolphins yeah and that drive that drive at 24-17 after that pick six we discussed was a, a couple of you know series after that was so impressive and they went for it twice in their own territory fourth and one from the 26 yard line 
fourth and one from the 37, their own 37-yard line. And they did it both with the tush push. And I think the Philadelphia Eagles, there's a comparison to CeCe's New York Yankees. I'll explain after we hear from their head coach, Nick Sirianni, on the tush push. First and nine every down. You know, every first down is first and nine. Knowing that if you get the fourth, fourth and one, um, shoot, a lot of faith in that play. Because you've seen it, right? You've seen it across the league that people can't do it like we can do it. They can't do it like we can do it. And, uh, and so I'm making my plug right there, like, don't, don't ban this play. Like, if everyone could do it, everybody would. Where's the camera? If everybody could do it, everybody would do it. And that's Sirianni postgame. So the comparison to the Yankees is as follows. During the prime years of Mariano Rivera's career with the Yankees, CeCe rooted for a team that basically had to just be, have a lead after eight innings. They played an eight-inning game. Everybody else played a nine-inning game because Mariano wasn't going to give up a run. In this specific case, Sirianni just mentioned it. They play a first and nine. They don't play a first and ten. Mm-hmm. They play a different brand of football because they know they have a play that guarantees them at least one yard. And I say at least because now they're getting two or three off of this, and they could actually alter the way in which they're going about their third down calls because it's a guarantee on fourth down for them. Yeah, and you saw that play out in that possession right before halftime. They went on a 12-play, 80-yard drive for a touchdown, but it was a situation where Nick Sirianni – decided that he was going to go ahead and go for it uh, as opposed to um, not go for it, and, and he ends up getting a tush push. Now, later on in their drive, there's a fourth and three, and then Jalen Hurts decides to add lib, and he has the 33-yard touchdown pass to his boy A.J. Brown, which was a masterful way of manipulating the pocket. But it's those those types of play calls, that kind of trust in your quarterback that takes this Eagles team to a different level. Because even though Jalen Hurts you know, still has the turnovers, I think it's eight interceptions on the season, he's able to make plays when it matters most to put this team in positions to be able to have success. And Ev talks about the last, play, last drive they had, 13 plays, but the Eagles had three double-digit play drives that all ate up over six minutes a game clock. Unbelievable. Again, that, that's the formula for success against the Miami Dolphins. With the Dolphins, it's not, it's not a matter of if. It's a matter of when their offense is going to be able to generate big plays. But if you don't allow them to get into a, a groove, if you don't allow them to get comfortable and get settled into the game, we've seen them be a little bit sporadic. We saw it up in Orchard Park against the Bills. We saw it again last night. The Philadelphia Eagles did a great job of possessing the football. They did a great job of committing to the run game, even though they weren't getting a lot of mileage on it. They had over 30 rush attempts, but they only had 99 yards. That, that's not something that we're used to seeing in terms of the production. But with the run game, sometimes smalls, it's about the attempts, not about the actual yardage and how it creates balance for your team. More importantly, how it keeps the clock running. I said this before, I'll say it again. A metric for success, a formula for success with offenses is over 50 runs plus completion. So if you take the number of runs, you take the number of completed passes, add them up, if it's over 50, then your team is going to be in pretty good shape. Last night, the Philadelphia Eagles, 57 combined runs plus completions. That allowed them to control the clock. That allowed them to keep the Dolphins' offense off the field. And that was what paved the way for them to get a win. I've never heard a coach actually say what Sirianni said. We start with first and nine. And, and those long drives obviously helping that. And then the touch push as well, or the brotherly shove, whatever it is. That Philly team is absolutely legit. The highlights from the Eagles Radio Network 94 WIP. Coming up, is Lamar Jackson right back in the MVP conversation? We'll get to that next on Sportsman like ESPN Radio.
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C ebikes.com. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. It is Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. You can watch us on ESPN2, listen to us on all of our great ESPN Radio stations across the country, and um, got another box in front of hey us. Hey, now! Okay. So, when who's I say... Who's making a special delivery today? Well, let me just uh, give everybody the setup here. We, as a, a show, are very happy and excited to be on all of the great ESPN radio stations across the country. And our goal is to rep everyone mm-hmm. as much as we possibly can. And one of the greatest ways of doing it is to display the merch and the gear. So, thank you to the ESPN 1000 team in Chicago, because we have been sent... Hey, now! Uh, these are the Gronk <laughs> Ice Shakers. Whoa! But right. they're special ones here. Smalls, I can't reach you necessarily. CC, pass small. that Thank over you. if you could. Cece? But they are wow. special ones if we open them here. Open them up. Okay. Because we can display them on our set here at ESPN2. Because if you open these great ones... 25 years of ESPN Chicago. Dope. And the logo Dope. on it. Let's display it out front there. Oh, so the thank you. Skyline. Thank you to the entire team at ESPN 1000 in Chicago. Cap, Jay Hood, Carm, Yurko, Waddle, Sylvie, Black, Abdallah. You guys said it all. Danny, everybody. Uh, it, just an amazing, amazing job by you guys. Keith and, and Maggie and everybody. Trav is sending this, so we do appreciate it. 25 years of Chicago. And by the way, they knew the Bears would win yesterday yeah. over the Raiders, 30-12. to 12. They knew Tyson Bajant, a Division Two quarterback. You had to make sure you said his name right. I, I still don't actually know if I said his name right. I think I did because Jonathan Hood kept tweeting out yesterday, Bay. Like B A E, so yeah. I figured, okay, it must be a Bay gent. That's how you say it. But yeah. anyway, so yeah, the off of a win, twenty five years, ESPN Chicago. Thank you to the entire team there. We do appreciate it, and you guys out there can send it to us as well, where we will display all of your gear uh, for our great ESPN stations across the country. This will be the first and the last day I actually see this because when I take it home, it has something on, from Chicago on it. My yes. wife is going to take this. She's going to say, "Oh, my city, no, my exactly. This, my is, city. Mine this is mine. This is mine. This is mine now. Exactly. It's like." Both ours, but we'll just keep it at my office. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, so, the game we were going to talk about here, the Ravens and the Lions, we thought outside of the Eagles and the Dolphins, this could be the game of the, way, of the day. Yesterday. Ah! 
Well, um, it wasn't, that's for sure. Absolute domination by the Baltimore Ravens, 38-6. to Lamar Jackson, 21 of 27, 357, three touchdowns, a rushing touchdown as well. I have been on the Jared Goff's MVP to lose. He may have lost it yesterday. Uh, I do think that he is going to find himself back into the conversation in a few weeks. Just because the schedule is easy, I don't think he's going to win it. I think he did lose it yesterday. But now... Did Lamar maybe win it yesterday? Well, he's certainly going to be in the conversation. I think that the the turnovers to touchdown ratio was a little bit different from Lamar yesterday as opposed to what we've seen through the first six games of the season. And you're talking about an offense under Todd Munkin that did a good job of being able to mix it up a little bit. I think they threw some unique wrinkles at the Detroit Lions. For instance, the sweep pass from Lamar Jackson, they looked like it was a QB design run, but everybody stayed flat down the line of scrimmage. Did a good job of being able to hit him over the top for a touchdown. Uh, So I think those types of plays uh, in the offense is what separates the Ravens when they're playing their best versus everybody else when they're playing their best. But the one thing I will say about the Detroit Lions, this has been one of the most consistent teams in football, and Jared Goff has been one of the most consistent quarterbacks. Yesterday we saw what this thing is when Jared Goff has to be the bus driver and not a passenger. And that's why I think I was a little bit hesitant with the Jared Goff for MVP talk just because I wanted to see Goff in a spot where he didn't have the balance of the run game, where his defense didn't keep scoring down, when his defense wasn't able to generate multiple takeaways. And yesterday, it wasn't exactly what we would expect when you have somebody in the MVP conversation. He had to be the catalyst, and it didn't necessarily work out for him. So I guess that's the part that was the biggest surprise for me because I thought Jared Goff had turned a corner over the last, you know, uh, I guess call it, uh, you know, 12 or so odd games that the Lions have played on offense. Going back to last year, but I guess yesterday was the part where it just felt uncomfortable. It was kind of cringy because it didn't feel like Detroit had a chance at all in that ball game. No, and conversely, when Lamar has to be the bus driver, he drives the bus and no he doubt. drives it well. And I think yesterday was an amazing barometer as far as where these two quarterbacks are. I mean, Lamar, twenty-one of twenty-seven passing, three hundred fifty-seven yards, three touchdowns. He had a hundred and fifty-five point eight passer rating. This yesterday to me was one of the most impressive wins of the entire season. And you'd certainly throw Buffalo dismantling Miami in the mix there. Obviously, what San Francisco did or did to Dallas, that was certainly a, a big win on the season. But I don't know. When I look at all of the hype that was surrounding Detroit and Jared Goff heading into this game, that was a statement by Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens yesterday. So watching some of the highlights back, Jerry and our TV team putting this together on ESPN2, these are the highlights from Goff, or lowlights, I should say, that got him traded in the first place. Right, that got the Rams to say, "Here, Lions, take a first rounder to take him, and we'll give you another one to get Stafford in return." Because there were some ugly throws yesterday. But how high are we willing to go in terms of the rankings with the Ravens right now? Are we willing to put them behind the Chiefs? Are we willing to say, "Hey, you know what? They actually surpassed the Dolphins with that performance yesterday as second best team in the AFC." They're in a conversation. I don't know that there is a definitive number two in the AFC. It could be Jacksonville. It could be Baltimore. You know, it could be Miami. It just depends on what week we're talking about. So I don't know that there's any team that I, I trust enough to say that they're the number two team in the conference. I will say this, though. The Ravens have a top-five defense, and it has been a top-five defense going back to when they traded for Roquan Smith at the deadline in 2022. They've been really, really good on that side of the ball. Roquan Smith with an interception in the end zone, too, yesterday, by the way. But they've been really, really good on that side of the ball. 
And as long as they continue to be rock solid on the defensive end, their offense has enough runway to be able to figure it out. So that's why I trust the Ravens. They're well coached under John Harbaugh. He's won a Super Bowl before. He knows what championship-level play is all about. It's just a matter of the offense cleaning up the mistakes, the self-inflicting wounds, the penalties, and the turnovers. And yesterday was a step in that direction for Lamar. Yeah, it felt like that way with the Ravens, that the turnovers and the drops would what be the, would be the thing that undoes them. So if they could clean that up, this – Sky's the limit for this team. So if we look then at the Ravens and this game yesterday, what we're saying is that the Lions maybe drop a a notch in the NFC. That we're looking at, obviously, Philadelphia and San Francisco, top two. They're on a tier by themselves. Lions, maybe we take a step back. Maybe they're with the Cowboys. Maybe they're with Seattle. Maybe they're with, I I don't know if we're going to put Atlanta in there, but let's just say Seattle and the Cowboys, right, in terms of that second level in the NFC. What you're not ready to do then is say that the Ravens take the leap. So then this would be more about the Lions yesterday than it would be about the Ravens for you guys? Yeah, I think it was probably more about they the dropped. Lions. Right. Well, well, I, here's what I'll say. I, I know Lamar is capable of playing at an MVP level. My criticism of Lamar was never about the talent. It was about the turnovers. Mm-hmm. Going into yesterday's game, he had nine total touchdowns to nine total turnovers. Right. That's not sustainable. Not okay. People say, yeah, oh, he's on pace for 40 touchdowns. That's great. That means he's on pace for 40 turnovers, too. James like, Winston. Like, exa- exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, you've got to cut down on the, the, the turnovers, the giveaways, in order to be taken seriously as a contending team. And yesterday we saw that from Lamar. That was a near flawless game. I think the guy took a perfect passer rating into the second half. We don't see that very often, but that, that's that's the kind of that's the kind of dominance that he had on display. He did it with his arms. He did it with his legs. You're talking about a guy that had over 390 total yards and four total touchdowns. That is unbelievable. And, and Dan Campbell alluded to it in his post game press conference. He said the guy beat the hell out of his beat the hell out of us with his arm. And I think the biggest difference from last year to this year is that Lamar finally has the weapons where he can do that, Mm -hmm. where he can beat somebody with his arms and his leg is the complement to what they're doing in the passing game. I think that is the evolution of this Ravens offense that fans in Baltimore have been waiting to see. And it it feels like it's finally starting to come around. And the other thing about Lamar, and I got to be honest, I did not fully realize this until yesterday. Do you know that he is 16-1 and against the NFC as a starter in his career? Yes. 16 and 1. So if he can just fast forward to the Super Bowl, he's great. <laughs> That'd be an amazing thing just fast. Why is that, CC? How does that level of disparity make any sense? Uh, because Lamar is a singular talent. He's unique. I mean, he's one of the fastest players in the league with the ball in his hand. He's one of the best throwers of the football in this league. So when you don't play against that a lot, when you don't see it very often, it's a shock to your system. Kind of like Tyreek Hill, when you're out there on the field and you, you witness the speed, it's just it's 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 hard to simulate what that player brings to the table. With Lamar, it's hard to simulate what he brings to the table when you don't typically see him. Like that that changes things. So I think that's why his record against non conference opponents is so good. All right. We got a great win for the Eagles last night. We got a great win for the Ravens. We have all these one win teams winning. We've got ice shakers from ESPN Chicago. <laughs> we are flying on a Monday morning. Coming up, we'll have a pond further review. But first, CeCe has this from O'Reilly. It's Superstar Battery Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Get up to $25 gift card with rebate. After purchase of select Superstar batteries, the best replacement batteries for cars, trucks, SUVs, motorcycles, lawn and garden, marine, and more. The professional parts people will test your old battery for free. That's free 99. And if it needs to be replaced, they will help you find the right battery for your vehicle and budget. For power, performance, and reliability, choose Superstar batteries exclusively at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly 
Auto Parts. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash unsportsmanlike today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash unsportsmanlike. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Who still reeks of bacon, wrapped with bacon, with a side of bacon, after a long NFL Sunday. I love bacon, but I never actually say it. Bacon just knows. But man, does he have some thoughts. And bacon, this is Upon Further Review with Chris Ganty. Yes! Bacon Man will go in a second here. It is Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. Of course, we are presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. Chris Canty has his observations from the NFL Sunday. Oh, yes. Let's get it kicked off, and we're going to start with the Buffalo Bills. Bills at Patriots. You can't trust the Buffalo Bills. You just can't. You can't trust their quarterback. You can't trust their defense. And apparently you can't trust their head coach. This is a team that's lost two of their last three games. And to be honest with you, they should have lost against the New York football Giants, but they were breaking in a backup quarterback at Tyrod Taylor. And things were a little bit bumpy, especially at the end of the first half for the Giants offense. But, I mean, this Bills team, the last three games – they scored a grand total of 10 points in the first half. That's coaching. The last two minutes of the game, the New England Patriots get the ball back, have to drive the length of the field, and they're down by, by, by three points. They position themselves on an eight-play drive for 75 yards and a touchdown. Again, coaching smalls. The turnover by Josh Allen, again, throws an interception early on in that ball game, trying to target Dalton Kincaid. Like, there are just some things that are inexplicable with this team, and the Patriots are one of the the most desperate teams in the National Football League. For the Buffalo Bills to try to roll their helmet out there and think they could get a win, I think that just speaks to the overall lack of leadership. And again, with the Bills, it's not a lack of talent, 
because we see their talent on display. Jordan Poyer gets a turnover in the red zone that gives the Buffalo Bills the ball back and an opportunity to go down and, and take the lead, and they did that. But then you give it right back to the New England Patriots? It makes no sense. It's mind-numbing. It's frustrating. And that's why I say you cannot trust the Buffalo Bills. And it goes back to last year, what we saw at the end of the season on into the postseason. It's just more of the same with this team. I said the Buffalo Bills, CC were the biggest question mark in the NFL. And this game this weekend only reinforces that point to me. They're a team that at times you feel like are a legit Super Bowl contender. They've been in the mix. You know Josh Allen is a top-five quarterback. They go out and dismantle the Dolphins' all offense 48-20, to 20, but then they have head-scratching losses to the Patriots and the Jets, the Aaron Rodgers-less <laughs> Jets to open the season. Real Super Bowl contenders don't lose games like that. I really don't know what to make of the Buffalo Bills. They're, they're a roller coaster. What you get with Josh Allen is high highs and low lows, and the team follows suit. No doubt. Cosign on everything you just said. Javante, let's keep this thing pushing. Lions at Ravens. So this is not necessarily about the Ravens or the Lions. This is about the AFC North, a division that every team that played in won yesterday. The Baltimore Ravens beat the Lions in impressive fashion. The Cleveland Browns, well, let me not say the Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns' defense beat the Indianapolis Colts in impressive fashion, even though they gave up a ton of points. They had four turnovers, and Miles Garrett was an absolute wrecking ball. Mm-hmm. And then the Pittsburgh Steelers go on the road with a little bit of help from the referees at the end and beat the L.A. Rams. It wasn't a great weekend for the Cincinnati Bengals, who were on their bye week. And guys, for a team that started out 0-2 in the division, 0-2 to start the season, I'm having a hard time envisioning the Cincinnati Bengals climbing back into position where they can contend for a playoff spot, knowing that they got to deal with all three of those other teams in the AFC North. Those teams in the AFC North, not named the Bengals, are all live dogs when it comes to qualifying for the postseason. They all have pretty good records when you look at it. I think they're all 4-2 or better. It's going to be tough for the Bengals to get out of the cellar in this division. I get that Joe Burrow is getting healthier, but the Bengals do have the toughest remaining schedule of anybody in football. And next up for them is the San Francisco 49ers. So to Bengals fans, to Joe Burrow and that Cincinnati Bengals team, good luck. No question it's going to be impossible, but I think – or not impossible. It's going to be very difficult, but I still think they have a shot. Let's crown one division – the best division of football. This is the best division of football. Yeah. We all thought coming into this season, the AFC East could be the best division of football because we thought the Bills, as we were just discussing, would be legit Super Bowl contenders. Here's not a bold statement, but we'll come off bold. The Bills are closer to missing the playoffs than they are a Super Bowl contender right now. Let's be real on that. The Jets, obviously, without Aaron Rodgers, are not as big time as we thought they were going to be. The Dolphins are still very good, but are they very good against good teams? And obviously, the Patriots have had a terrible season outside of yesterday. Look up and down that AFC North. You want no part of any of those teams in the playoffs. That said, Cleveland Browns defense took a little bit of a hit yesterday. Just saying. Minshew mania. (laughs) Minshew mania against them yesterday. Best division of football. Is there an argument against that, CC? No argument against that. I don't think the Cleveland Browns defense took a hit in my eyes because they were able to create some turnovers and they created points off of turnovers. But we'll get to that. We'll get to Miles Garrett and the Cleveland Browns defense again. That's a, it's a conversation for a different segment. Right now, it's about a palm further review. Javante, let's keep it moving. Raiders at Bears. So this game, to me, was about the comments that Devontae Adams made. Because I think that a lot of people took them out of context, or, or maybe not even out of context, but they, they looked at the surface level of what Devontae was saying, and they didn't do a deep dive into what he actually meant. And Smalls, at the risk of mansplaining this thing, I think yesterday was 
a perfect example of what Devontae was talking about, how greatness is his benchmark, not wins and losses. Because when you look at the Raiders' record going into yesterday, they were a 500 team that had won two games in a row. But if you look a little bit closer, they beat the New England Patriots, they beat the Green Bay Packers. And then the other win that they have is week one against the Denver Broncos. Those teams are a combined 6-14. of So it's not necessarily about just doing enough to get wins. It's about playing up to your full potential. And that's something that the Raiders haven't done all year long, whether Jimmy Garoppolo is in the lineup or not. And yesterday is a perfect example. For a team that was at 500 and very much alive in the AFC to make a push for the playoffs, you got embarrassed, not beat, embarrassed by the Chicago Bears. Like, there's no re And the Chicago Bears, not with Justin Fields as their quarterback, but with Tyson Secret Bajant Man as their quarterback. (laughs) Like, this guy from Shepard University. No disrespect to Tyson Bajant, but nobody had that on the bingo card yesterday for the Bears to blow out the Raiders. And listen, the final score was 30 to 12. Trust me, guys, the game wasn't that damn close. It wasn't. So I I just, uh, when Devontae was saying that his benchmark is greatness, not necessarily wins and losses. Yesterday is an example of what he's talking about. There's no reason why that happens to the Las Vegas Raiders in that spot uh, unless you're talking about a team that lacks the kind of focus and discipline that it takes to be consistent in this league week in and week out. And that's that's disappointing, and, and I think it's going to be more of that on deck for the Raiders. So I think this thing gets uglier in Vegas before it gets better. Well, let's take a listen to what Devontae had to say post game after their 30-12 to loss to the Bears. As long as I'm here, I'm going to have confidence and, and do what i got to do, do my part to make sure that I'm helping, you know, the guys around me and, and um, you know, we're going to work together to try to figure it out. Yeah, I mean, listen, I'm a fan and a member of the media. I didn't play 11 years like you did, so I hear things differently, obviously. You know you you have a relationship with guys like Devontae Adams, right? Your version of him with, with your seasons with the Cowboys, Giants, and Ravens. Mm-hmm. How I hear that is he must have had a great time yesterday. He got seven receptions. He doesn't care if they win or lose. It's just if he's going to be great. That's how I hear the comments last time. And now, if you look at the numbers, his three worst games in terms of number of receptions this year are their three wins. Hmm. Yeah, so why are they so adamant about keeping him? They, they put it out there that they're not interested in trading Devontae Adams. Well, you're not interested in trading him, but you're not using him on the field. So what's the point in having him? Well, here's where I look at it, and you would know better than I would, so you have to help me understand this. My thought process is that when a team is conscious of getting one guy the ball, it throws off the entire offense. And my guesstimation yesterday is that they thought about, we got to get Devontae the ball, we got to get Devontae the ball, instead of, Let's throw to whoever's open. It's If I'm going to look at 17 first, that means I'm not looking at everybody else. That means I may not be going through my proper reads. Again, I am a fan slash media member. You are a former player. Am I right in what I'm saying or no? No, because even if a guy's double covered when he's a talent like Devontae Adams, you throw on the ball. An example of that would be last night with Tyreek Hill. He's bracketed double coverage, but yet Tua decides he's going to throw him the ball. He runs through the double coverage with his speed and ends up being a touchdown grab. There are certain instances with certain players where you give that guy a chance no matter what the coverage tells you to do. Coverage would tell you this receiver's bracketed. Don't throw him the football. Guess what? Throw him the football. His third and eight, he's going to outrun the double coverage. Devontae Adams is a special talent like that. Throw him the football. Good things usually happen. But with this Raiders team, there's an overarching theme, and it goes back to last year when Devontae talked about it. There's something wrong with this locker room. There's something wrong within the organization. 
there are leadership intangibles that aren't present, and they don't allow this team to realize their full potential. They don't allow them to play up to the Jimmys and Joes that they've put together on this roster. And I guess that's the frustration for Devontae. It's not as if Devontae has a losing mentality. He doesn't come from a losing culture. No. He was in Green Bay for a decade. That's right. This yeah. guy knows winning football. Absolutely. You know, he wants to compete at a championship level. He wants to be in the Hall of Fame. But he recognizes that what this team is doing from week to week just isn't good enough. And yesterday is the perfect example of that. There is no excuse. There is no excuse for Josh McDaniels to allow that team to lose to those people, given the state of where the Chicago Bears franchise is. That's the way I interpreted those comments last week. Not that wins and losses didn't matter to him or that he was so individualistic in his accomplishments. I think he was trying to tell us something. Like, look at look at the record. Look at the wins. It's a bit of fool's gold. I know what greatness is like. I know what it feels like from top to bottom when things are clicking, when I'm clicking. And I think he was trying to tell us, it's not happening here, guys. Pay attention. Yeah, I mean, he knows what greatness is like to a certain extent. I mean, he never went to a Super Bowl. They always came up short in championship it's games. Conference championship games. Yeah, yeah, but they came I'm not saying the Raiders greatness obviously right by any stretch of imagination philosophically I think teams always fail when they when they bring in wide receivers to make quarterbacks better instead of bringing in quarterbacks to make wide receivers better and I think Devontae Adams is there knowing there's no quarterback you said what now yes I said exactly what I said (laughs) you said teams fail when they bring in wide receivers when they pay the wide receivers ridiculous amount of money because they have a B quarterback and they're like hey make him an A quarterback versus if you have an A quarterback then bring him in uh, okay, so the Dolphins failed when they bought in Tyreek Hill nope. for Tua? No, but they thought Tua was an A quarterback, and they were right. Oh, Jimmy G's not an A quarterback anymore, unfortunately. Derek Carr was definitely not an A quarterback at any I'm just, point. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I mean, okay, that's fine, but I mean, I'm looking at the Philadelphia Eagles bringing in A.J. Brown. Last year, they went to the Super Bowl. A quarterback. Uh, okay. That's how I'm looking. I'm saying if you get that wrong, if you get that position wrong— you're dead. Yeah, right. I think I think that's that's a little bit of revisionist history, though. Hindsight is twenty twenty. I mean, <laughs> I can go through chapter and verse with with organizations that have a quarterback that they think can get them to the Super Bowl, and they go out and get a dominant number one wide receiver, and then all of a sudden that takes the quarterback's play to the next level. It's a chicken or the egg argument that yeah. we're having right yeah. now. But having a dominant number one receiver that could dictate front and coverage always makes quarterbacks better. But to to take it full circle, 100% agree with you. They should trade Devontae Adams. That's not it's clearly not a fit in any way shape or form. However, you and I are as small as any of us are looking at it, something ain't working when you're losing no. 30 to 12 no. to the Chicago Bears. No. Coming up, the stats back it up. One player performs better when a certain celebrity is in attendance. We'll get to that next on Sportsman like <laughs> ESPN Radio. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Brandon Staley better be careful with the blame is mine, no one else's. I mean, he's right. 
head coach of the Chargers, but you don't want to let everybody know that when you're already on the hot seat at 2-4. and four. It is Unsportsmanlike here on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. You can watch us on ESPN2. Listen to us on all of our great ESPN stations across the country, including ESPN 1000 in Chicago. Shout out to them for our ice shakers today. 25 yeah. years ESPN 1000 <laughs> yes, in Chicago. Uh, we are thrilled to be on all the stations we're on, and we love to support our stations, so feel free. Send us the gear. We will display it on the days that we get it. No like doubt. Today, no uh, with doubt. ESPN 1000, and CC has already said that the missus is going to take this, so blame ESP 1000 for not sending us four of them. Exactly. That's what's exactly. Now, that's, how do you not send us one for the missus, who's from Chicago, and the mister? Absolutely. If it's Chicago-related, she's all about it, so ESPN Chicago, just keep that in mind for the next <laughs> gift bag that you send us. We please. are complaining about Absolutely. free stuff. Not, com- not complaining. Just, we are suggesting just ask, asking you to be mindful. <laughs> just, you know, I always say yeah. players that are aware of their situations are often successful. Chicago, just be aware of the circumstances around mm-hmm. our show. My wife, a South Side Chicagoan, you know, from Beverly. Like, it's important when we get Chicago stuff that I have something to bring home for her. So enjoy this for the next three hours. Exactly. That's how, that, <laughs> that's how that's going to work. So uh, Kansas City and the Chargers yesterday, 31-17. The Chiefs win the game. Smalls was on it saying this could be a little bit closer than we think going in, and it was for a lot of it, at least, um, you know, not a lot of scoring, seven points total in the second half, if I'm not mistaken. But Mahomes in the first half was 20 of 23, 321, three touchdowns and a pick. <laughs> and Travis Kelsey was nine for 143 and a touchdown. And maybe Andy Reid... Uh, told us why when talking about Taylor Swift in attendance at the game. Kelsey keeps getting better with time. Um, um, Taylor can stay around all she wants. So Taylor can stay around all she wants. What an interesting day for Taylor Swift yesterday, who um, displayed her secret handshakes, as you're seeing there on ESPN2 with Brittany Mahomes, um, Patrick's wife. Patrick's brother, Jackson Mahomes, was there. I'm sure TikToking away right behind her. And before the game, she was there with Bernie Kosar in uh, the Kelsey home. Now, why? Everybody's saying, why is she with Bernie Kosar? Well, I did some digging on this, a.k.a. thank you, Aaron Goldhammer, ESPN Cleveland, who told me that the Kelsey family, Northeast Ohio, their favorite player growing up was Bernie Kosar. They developed a relationship with the former Browns quarterback. Mm. He came to see Travis play. Just so happens he's in, in there with uh, Taylor before the game. Now, this is, these are stats that like CBS had on broadcast, and we have them with ESPN stats and info here. Okay, Travis Kelsey has played in six games this season. Four of them were attended in person by uh, attended in person by Taylor Swift. In those games, those four games, Kelsey has averaged over a hundred receiving yards per game, eight point five catches per game. In the four games she's been in attendance, Kelsey has hit the over on the number of receptions, including yesterday. I mean, clearly, he's better when she's there. Yeah, and if you're Pat Mahomes and you're supposed to be down for Travis Kelsey, you might want to feed that guy so he can show off in front of his new girlfriend. Yeah. Right? Because Taylor oh, Swift. Well, whoa, whoa, you just Taylor, said it. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say it, man. Okay. I, I, I'm admitting it now. Like, yeah, like, I don't think we have the a guy, choice The guy anymore. is shopping for real estate. I mean, ta- Taylor, Taylor and Brittany Mahomes have got a secret handshake. And, and, like, I, I've got to go ahead and come on over to your side, Smalls. I knew it's it's official, here. official. They're together right now. And that, this is the thing. The Taylor effect goes beyond just viewership in the NFL. It actually translates to on-the-field success for Kansas City Chiefs offense. And here's the thing that people won't want to say out loud, and a lot of sports folks probably won't put credence into it. 
But the NFL season is long. Yes. And it can be mundane. And for a team that's going to run away with their division like the Chiefs are with the AFC West, you need something to spice up the season. And I think the Taylor Swift relationship with Travis Kelsey is that something to spice up the season. Because while it's fodder for a lot of people that are on the fringes when it comes to sports and entertainment – this is actually something that guys on the team are probably paying attention to. Like, my guy is date Travis Kelsey is dating Taylor Swift. She's going to be at the game. We got to show out. We got a ball. Yeah. And it's actually happening on the field. Like, they are dialed in. They are locked in on the offensive side of the ball in a way that we usually don't see them this early in the season. And so I think the relationship and the attention that it's putting on the Kansas City Chiefs, the, the, the enhanced spotlight because of the Taylor Swift effect – is breaking up the monotony of what a regular season would be for this team, especially when we talk about mid-October football. That's a really good point, and I never considered that. Obviously, she's one of the biggest superstars in the entire world, and with her comes a different level of spotlight. And maybe for some teams and some players, that might be a distraction. All of the additional fans and the additional media coverage. Clearly not for this team. No. And clearly not for this player. Travis Kelsey loves the spotlight. He tends to show his best self when the pressure is the highest. And he knows that not only is everyone in the world watching these games because she's there, but that he's got to impress his new girl. <laughs> and he has stepped up in great fashion when she's been in the house. So if I'm Andy Reid, I'm having a one-on-one conversation with Taylor saying, are you comfortable in the suite? Are the snacks up to par? Uh, what uh, can we do? Oh, you ain't got to worry about the snacks with Andy sure. Reid. You ain't got to worry about the snacks with Big Red. Big Red got the snacks right are the burgers okay like i'm sending them up to you personally i can promise just making sure she's comfortable and that she is going to be there every game so that you continue to get this output from travis kelsey i think cc and i were the (laughs) last two people on the planet to buy into the fact that they're together uh dollar in the jar boys well here's the thing smalls i owe a dollar to the jar i still i've prepaid (laughs) i've prepaid for the bad take jar so i have one left then it still feels odd to me like, this combination still doesn't feel right to me for whatever reason. And I'm not saying it's wrong, like they don't belong together. It's just so out of nowhere that it's it's still hard for me to take it all in. It yeah, is. Yeah, it's hard to take that all in. What's not hard to take in is that Brandon Staley is not great in these types of games for his team. Or right? any game, really. Why, why, <laughs> like, you, you've lost five of the last six to the, the, the Kansas City Chiefs. At some point, if you're going to get to where you want to go, you're going to have to beat those guys. Mm-hmm. And it's not great in terms of Brandon Staley being a difference in this game in a positive way for his squad. And, by the way, yet another bad interception by Justin Herbert in a close game. We're Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. You can listen to Unsportsmanlike live weekdays from 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch on ESPN2 and on ESPNU. Unsportsmanlike with Evan Canty and Michelle.